Well, if you're at home and, you, and if you have a Bible here with you, let's open them up to Acts chapter 2. We want to um, do our best to stay Pentecostal this, this week in our thoughts and, and, um, and understand that sometimes we have to wait. You know, the, is the 120 were waiting the way Jesus had told them in, in Acts chapter 1. Don't, don't go away from Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is there. And I think it's important for us to always to remember to wait on God. Wait on God because when we get ahead of him, we get in trouble. And um, um, it was in um, and the reason it was so important that we wait because uh, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28, verses 18 through, t- 18 through 20, Jesus gives the great commission to everyone, to everyone. And he says, go into all the world, wherever you're at, and preach and teach as I have taught you. And that's an impossible task to do, friends, without the Holy Spirit in your life, um, without grabbing a hold of that, that presence. And so um, those folks waited until those um, tongues came down <laughs> and covered them. And Peter stood up then and gave this sermon that um, starts way back in, in verse 13. But um, we're going to start in verse 36 this morning. I think that's it. I'm going to read it from from my Bible. This is the Bible that Jesus carried. It's the Holman Christian Standard Version. That's a joke. Okay. He says, Therefore, let... This is Peter um, still preaching. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Well, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who, for all whom God the Uh, whom the Lord our God will call. Then verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And then those who accepted his message that day were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number of the church. My goodness, isn't that great? We need times like that today, don't we? This is the word of God for all of his people. Yeah, praise God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can hear your word. Um, We pray that whether we're sitting here in this um, place called the FLC or sitting at home, wherever we're at, it doesn't matter, that you would just touch our hearts and and open our ears to hear what you'd have to say to us. And then, then, Lord, help us to respond. In other words, our prayer is that you'd help us to leave here differently than we've entered into this place through the music, through a smile, through a hug, through the, uh, the songs, through the, uh, the word, whatever it is, just touch our hearts, fill it with your Holy Spirit even a little bit more. Help us to have that knowledge that you're there, Lord. Give us, give us, we pray, not just the ears to hear, but the, the feet and the hands and the voice to move. And as always, we pray that your servants' words will be nothing more than your words. We pray this in Christ's name today. Amen. So it's really a, a strange thing to think um, 
Do you see the title of this message? What are you preaching this week? I'm asking you, what are you preaching this week? And everybody's saying, nothing, because that's your job. No, it's not my job. I think, I think um, one of the things that we need to understand today that Peter did something very valuable for us. He shared with us what it's like to be a preacher, because he wasn't a preacher. But to respond to what God does in our lives. And, and I think if we learn anything here, we should learn what kind of sermon we as the individuals and as a body should be preaching. Um, the message of any church is a whole lot more than what the pastor preaches. Amen? Can you get into that with me? Um, it, it's an amazing thing. I didn't mean to do it, but I did. At, general, at the annual conference this year, I, uh, I didn't mean to do it, honestly. Um, but it touches my heart so much that, that I, it, it just bothers me to that, to that end, no matter where I'm at in general conference, annual conference, or a church meeting. It doesn't matter, but I counted the times that people prayed and didn't finish the prayer with that little acknowledgement in Jesus' name. I went to a church one time, uh, to a, a service, and I, I looked at everything, and they had a really ornate bulletin, and I looked at it really closely, and I thought, gee, I wonder what we're here for. Because there was no mention of Jesus. No mention of of why we were there. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh my. And then uh, none of the songs were about Jesus. The prayers were not about Jesus. Well, I mean, they were songs about Jesus, but they weren't songs about Jesus. You know what I mean? They were generic songs that you could sing for anybody. Um, this little light of mine, you know. Does it mention Jesus? No. But we know what the light is, right? So I wrote on the bulletin every little nick and tick of it. And then I met with the pastor two days later and said, uh, your service was good, but it had nothing to do with Jesus. And she says, that's the way they are every Sunday. And I said, well, you need to change. We need to change. I don't care where we're at. If we're praying something valuable and want God to be involved in it, Jesus said, if you ask in my name, I will take care of anything. You, any problem you have, I'll take care of it. And when we pray these things, I don't, I don't know. It was six times. Six times, and there were some powerful prayers that were given. I wonder if they're at home taking care of those prayers they mentioned. Because if we don't mention Jesus' name, that means I'm going to take care of it. I got bad news for you. I can't take care of myself, let alone your problems. Amen? <laughs> I, I want to tell you, every church, every church proclaims a message to the community that it's in. Every church pre uh, preaches a message to the families that are in that community, to the businesses that are in the community, to the neighbors that are in that community. Um, 
They, you, I'm going to say this gently, you preach a bigger and louder sermon than I ever do. Amen? Today, I, I just want us to think about our collective sermons, our collective sermons that we preach to LaGrange and beyond. What is our message, and how can we make it more like a message of that early church? Now, in this pericope that I read, this pericope, there are three things that should help us understand what we're preaching about. So let's go, okay? If you're at home want to write these down, if you want to write them down here, there are things that I say, but I think they're more powerful than that. That's why we write them down, so that we can grab a hold of them and look at them throughout the week. If we're going to preach anything that makes any sense to anybody in this world, we need to listen to verse 36. Therefore all the house of Israel uh, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The first thing that I think Peter, if you listen to this sermon here, the first thing that Peter did was talk about Jesus. I think that's what we need to do. We need to talk about Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't want to talk about him. I hear us sitting around talking. Jesus isn't part of the whole thing. Peter's making a huge point here. He's making a huge point that Jesus just wasn't a teacher. To these folks that are listening, that have just went through the crucifixion, he's saying to them, he's not just a rabbi. He wasn't just a prophet. No, this is the Messiah. He's God's chosen son. He is Lord of all. We just don't talk about Jesus enough in our conversation. I remember when I was going through seminary and I wrote my, my thesis paper. Um, and my eight cohorts that I'd been with for four years and my our, uh, mentor professor said to me, they said, you're going to get chewed up and they'll never pass this. Did I tell you this? And I, I said to him, I said, okay, can you explain why? And they said, yeah, you mentioned Jesus too much. And I said, praise God. I said, praise God. If I, if I don't pass this seminary course of four years and uh, $120,000 or whatever it was, I said, that's good. I'm glad to not get it because of Jesus. Amen? Mm. Mm. Uh, like, like I said, there was a lady that, one lady one time that when we were in, in the church, that she would come up to me after every service as she would shake hands with me to say goodbye, and she would point out that how many times I mentioned Jesus' name. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll try to do better next week. Of course, she didn't know I meant to meet, preach more about Jesus, you know. <laughs> And you know, uh, as we're talking about this, and when I talk about these places, uh, these are not liberal churches or liberal people that I'm talking about. These are conservative, evangelical folks. We need to make sure that we keep the name of Jesus in front of everything that we say. People, if you listen to it, if you listen to it closely, when, when people heard about Jesus, their hearts were pierced. Their hearts were pierced beyond their understanding. Um, and and um, it, it's amazing for us to to think that because we talk about Jesus, somebody's heart might be changed. 
And that's what we're supposed to do, change someone's heart. It's not about, it's not about just having a talk about Jesus. It's a talk about Jesus as our Savior. Jesus, the one you crucified, is up there because of your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. We need to, we need to hear that. I, uh, I got upset one time because... One of the friends at the annual conference looked at me and called me a religious fanatic. And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not a religious fanatic because for me a religious fanatic is one who carries around the discipline, who's more worried about the laws and regulations. I said, but now if you want to call me a Jesus freak, because <laughs> that's what I am, I came out of that age, you know, the Jesus freak people. Remember them back in the 70s? And you don't remember them, do you think? Okay, no. <laughs> you have to listen to it close. When you hear, hear about Jesus as being somebody special in your life, people want to hear that. Their hearts get pierced. And maybe not that day, but somewhere along the line, they're going to say, Oh, oh, I would like to have that piercing, that, that knowledge of Jesus that way. Jesus, Jesus said it to himself. Said it to all of us himself. He said, um, "What people need is to see me lifted up, and then when they look at me on that cross, they're going to come to him and find him as their savior." And our job, I think, is to preach Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question: <laughs> um, What are you preaching this week? What kind of sermon are you sharing? Well, I hope that we make sure that Jesus is in it, you know. I could go off on something there, but I won't. Um, secondly, I think we need to talk about salvation itself. We need to talk about Jesus being the Lord of our lives. I find it interesting when some Christians and even non-Christians um, talk about, um, um, from their perspective, I guess, um, from their thought, what the message of the church is. And still today, still today, for some reason, the message of the church is don't do that. It's something, it's always a judgmental thing that you've got to quit doing something. It's always about, your, <laughs> it's always about people making, uh, a church making somebody feel bad and saying, oh, I'm a sinner going to hell. Hmm. Believers... Um, I hope know that solid believers, I hope know that isn't the message. And I hope that's not the message for the abundance of church, and I hope that's not the message here. The unchurched community doesn't see the church as a loving place. They see it as a condemning place telling them that they are sinners. And I don't think that's what the message of salvation is all about. Peter didn't either. Peter didn't either because he, he preached the word to those folks that were standing around there and um, shared the message of salvation so much. Now listen to it in verse 37. He shared the message so well that the people who were around him, because he was talking about Jesus, looked at him and said, Oh, what then should we do? 
What should we do? That's what I pray people always ask me. What do we do with what, what I've gotten myself into? Our problem is, as we talk to people today and tell them what made them get to where they're at and where they're going to go if they don't change, but we never tell them what to do right then and there with what's going on, and that is to change their life, to get things straightened. It's something that we do right now, not what we did or what we have to do, but we never want to talk about how do we change right now. How do we, did you hear what, the, what shall we do? Not tomorrow, not what we did yesterday, but right now, Peter, what should we do? What should we do in our lives? I, I, and I don't think, in my time of being in that world of sin, nobody had to tell me that I was a sinner. We all know that, amen? We all, even today when we're in Christ, we know that when we sin and make things... It's a really touchy subject here, but let me make something perfectly clear to you. I'm not saying that we're not all sinners, because we are. Amen? And sin is bad. It breaks the heart of God and destroys our life. But, my friends, I want you to know, that's not the good news. When we're talking salvation to somebody, we don't need to point out all the problems they have, all the issues that they've done wrong, everything that's happened in their life, and they're, they're, you're going to hell, see you later. People, you don't have to tell them that. The good news, the good news is that we should be sharing that God can change your life. Amen? Are you with me there? God can change your life. I have never, I am sorry, I have never, well, I'm not sorry. I've just never been a, a hellfire and brimstone preacher, unlike Phyllis's dad. He was a hellfire and brimstone preacher. And people in his church told me that, you know, you didn't sit still when he was there because your feet were getting stepped on all the time. But I want us to be a church, and I want to be the pastor of a church, and I want to be personally um, one who gives a message of salvation that God can take care of your life right now. Not, uh, not later, not, not yet from the past, but right now he can take care of things. Um, it's an amazing thing that you and I have the responsibility to help people come into Christ. Even, I mean, I have had a lot of folks say to me this very thing. They'll say to me, they'll look at me without any hesitation at all and say, well, I would like to become a Christian, but I don't want to give up all that I have to give up. Amen? And I look at them and say, you don't have to give it up. God doesn't want you to give up anything except, what, your heart. And then once you give up your heart, then I look at them and say, then you'll want to give it up. It won't be things in your life that you want to do once you find Christ and start growing in him. But my friends, that takes time. Repent, Peter said. Be baptized. In other words, be obedient to what Christ said. Be baptized. And then experience the Holy Spirit. Once we repent, um, we get that Holy Spirit in our lives and everything, as I said last week, everything becomes, becomes powerful. Um, uh, but the problem with the church, I think, is, is that we grab a hold of that salvation and the, the world around us is looking. We grab a hold of that salvation as individuals and as a church 
And then we do things that everybody else hates to do. We continue in our sin. Now, let me explain that to you. I haven't been in a church yet that doesn't share gossip. Amen? Are you all with me? I said I haven't been in a church yet. You all with me? That doesn't share gossip. And what does gossip do? Nothing more than destroy you and destroy the person that you're gossiping about. Whomever it is, whatever they did, it does not matter. We are called to love them enough to bring them into salvation instead of talking bad about them. Now, I know you guys don't do that, but I still haven't been in a church that doesn't do that. Now, I can say that gracefully because we all falter, don't we? I falter. And I say things sometimes, and then I get back, and I, look, I step back and look at what I said and said, Okay, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me that I judged those people that didn't say in your name. Because I was upset when they didn't say that. I was upset when I walk into a place where we have communion, and nobody does an epiclesis and says, Lord, we need you to bless these gifts and make them become... Um, that body and that blood of Christ. I've been in those. And, and then people look at me whenever they walk out that didn't see me go up and get communion. And, and I look at them and judgmentally and gossiply I say, well, the reason I didn't is because they didn't do the epiclesis. Amen? And then I have to ask God to forgive me. Because whose communion was it? It wasn't mine, was it? It's God's. But I think... I think there's things that have to happen. I'm like Terry, I'm stubborn. Oh, no, you're not stubborn. See? Now I have to ask forgiveness again. (laughs) I think when we're talking about salvation, about Jesus Christ to somebody, it's not about giving up and and, um, trying to undo things. It's about turning to Christ. It's about turning to Christ and finding um, God's love in everything that we do. It's about turning to Christ an about face and leaving the way we were going and finding a new way in Christ. And we need to help people do that. Amen? Let me give you a third thing I think that's here. And there was a whole lot more in that verse. You know, there's a whole sermon in there about um, uh, accepting Christ and being obedient to Christ and, um, and, um, and accepting the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we won't touch on those this morning. Um, a third thought that I wanted to give you, and I think that is most powerful, um, that is umbrellaed under the first two of, pre- of sharing Christ uh, so much that people want to accept him, is that we need to um, talk about the promises of God. It's in verse 39. For the promises of God are for you and your children and for those who are far off and as many as the Lord shall call to himself. I think think if we are going to preach a sermon this week, one of the things that should be in that sermon is is the message of hope. Of hope, friends. Because I don't know if you know it or not, but the people around you close to you that you're going to touch much more than me. They have no hope. They have no hope. They think, listen, we all think this, don't we? 
they think that they have done too much that they can't be accepted by God. And the hope is gone in their lives. They think they've gone too far, done too many bad things, done all the things that are wrong that they can't be forgiven. And you and I are in the, in the position to say to them, no, no, that's not right. There is hope, and the hope is only in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There's, a, there's your message right there. Did you hear it? That's the three points right there. People are, are needing hope. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my friends, can you imagine what hope would do for, I think it's over 250 mass murders this year already. Now, do you understand that when they say there's 250 plus mass murders? That means there's been 250 murders where four or more people were involved. Did you get that? That's the only ones they count, four and above. Think of all the ones that were three and four and below. Three and below. Probably go up into the 500s or the thousands even. One person killed by another person. We, we, um, Pastor Lehman got up and shared about his son being killed this past week at um, Akron in that park. It was one of our pastor's sons um, in the wrong place in the wrong time and got beat up and killed. That's not one of the 250. Hope. Hope is something that, that people in our lives need. I don't know if it would change any of those 250, but if people were preaching a sermon about Jesus Christ and how we need to turn to him because that's the only place that we can find hope, I think that changes everybody's life. And it should change our life to preach that and to share that, that Jesus is the answer for everything that we're trying to grab a hold of. We are never, one of the things the hope that we should be sharing is that we're never too far away from God's love. Amen? We're never too far away. He cares for us more than we'll ever, ever do. Now, I want to tell you this morning, and I, I hope I've done this for 41 years. But every Sunday, <laughs> I said to a bunch of pastors one time, I said, you sh- if you can do anything else in, in life, don't become a pastor. Because every seven days you have to stand up in front of somebody. Sometimes more than that. You know, every seven days, every four days, Wednesday, you know, Sunday... And I said, uh, if you're not willing to do the work that it costs to get up in front, of some, in front of somebody every seven days, don't do this. Don't do this. But I, will, I, I pray that I've done my best and will do my best, I promise that to you, uh, to be faithful to God's word. That's what I said to a couple friends of mine this past week as we're sitting there in conference listening. Pastors and I were praying. And they said, what do, you want to, what do we need to pray for you, Pastor Floyd? And I said, nothing. Just pray that I stay faithful to God's calling in my life. Amen? I will do that for you. I will, I will do my best always to proclaim the great message of Jesus Christ and how he can change our lives. And I hope I can do that by giving you the greatest hope in the world. But my question to you this morning is, what's your sermon about this week? Hmm? People were watching. People were watching to see what your sermon is. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're watching, friends. 
to see what your sermon is. Is it about things that don't matter, that we can't do anything about, or is it about Jesus? Piercing somebody's heart. Is your sermon one that would lead someone to say, oh, I want some of that. I would love to have that kind of relationship. And is your sermon that you're going to preach, you're going to preach it whether you know it or not, is your sermon one of hope, that God loves you more than you can ever imagine, and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. My goodness. We need to ask ourselves every day, what's my sermon today? What's my sermon today? Let's do our best to make our sermon about Jesus Christ. Amen? Pray with me, will you? God, thank you. Thank you for that thought that we preach something every day. It might not be up in a pulpit in a church service like this, but it might be sitting in a park someplace or a job site or with family or with a total stranger. Help us to share your word of your love and your opportunity to change now. And help us to be the church that provides the hope that the world can't give. That's our prayer today. Not so we can be, <laughs> so we can be, you know, pretty cool, but better yet that we can be your servant to be your servant, Lord. Help us to stay in touch with that Holy Spirit. Be guided and directed by you through everything that we say and do. We pray all these things in your son's name today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> so what are you preaching about? I hope you think about that every day this week. Let's stand and sing our closing song, uh, My Peace. It's on the video today. Um, okay? Yeah.